When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, Judd Zolgad, may want to update their LinkedIn resumes after last night. You think so? Just a little bit? And if you're Ted Thompson, someone should teach him how to use the internet hey, first so he can log into LinkedIn. Packers fans, your team sucks. Awful. Mackie and Judd. Embarrassing. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Let's not even waste any time. Let's just, the people are calling for it on Twitter this morning. Let's go. It is Packer Vent Line, courtesy of the fan in Milwaukee. First of all, I just got to say, I I shudder to consider myself a Packer fan because I love my Green Bay Packers, but when I think about Packer fans, I kind of shudder because uh, I just associate it with dummies. I mean, these people, they, they think that they're you-know-what, don't stink, and they know everything. Go, Pat, go! Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. I'm, I'm You're Steve. On the way. I, there you go. I am Steve. <laughs> I look at a guy like Mike McCarthy, and it's become very apparent to me that Aaron Rodgers has made him a lot of money over his career. The tension between these two is starting to make a lot more sense. I think we saw a few weeks ago Rodgers, uh, you could read his mouth, he said, what a dumb bleeping call after a play that McCarthy drew up. Uh, It's probably a godsend that Rodgers gets to check out of a run play to a pass play or vice versa because Clearly, if they were running a game plan by McCarthy 100% of the time, they would be a bottom third offense in the NFL, even with Aaron Rodgers, because he is scared. I mean, the guy is sackless, for uh, lack of a better term. Go, Pat, go! Well, division games are obviously of uh, most importance. That, that was a, it was a tough loss. Um, <laughs> give Detroit a lot, of, a lot of credit. I thought they played extremely well, uh, particularly on offense, the way they threw and caught the ball. But uh, offensively, uh, we know we need to score more points. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Caller Mike from Lambeau Field. <laughs> Caller Steve. Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. I'm, I'm a You're Steve. On the way. I, there you go. I am Steve. <laughs> I am Steve. At least he was. At least he said. That he, he was on a bus and not actually behind the wheel of a vehicle trying to drive home while intoxicated. Uh, Judd, I have some amazing symbolism for you and mostly for Packer fans this morning. Some incredible symbolism that I stumbled upon that should really put Packer fans in the seat of a Viking fan the past 15 years. Okay? 
So, by the way, Aaron Rodgers probably loves all of this because of his value has gone up even more than the greatest quarterback of all time uh, the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. But this is the stink that Aaron Rodgers has covered since 2009 on a regular basis. They are 3-7-1 and one without Aaron Rodgers and 3-8-1 and one if you include the Brett Hundley game at U.S. Bank Stadium, in which he didn't start, but he played like three and a half quarters of that game, okay? The average performance of a Packers quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers since Rodgers took over in 2009 is a 78.3 passer rating. Mm-hmm. The exact passer rating of Tavares Jackson's career. That's very, yeah, Packer I love fans, it. Yes, that's your, that's your life right now. This is what it's like right here. Yes. Sit inside of it right now. Soak it in. Take a deep well, breath. we saw this. This is what it's like. We saw this, too, when, when Rodgers went out with the collarbone injury uh, to his non-throwing shoulder the last time. We saw this. This is a the Green Bay Packers right now, and this team without him are a team that has a very good chance, if you played their entire schedule, to be drafting top five. They're awful. Oh, God. But, I mean, top this five isn't, might be. But this, or top three. But my point is, this isn't, uh, well, the, if they had more time, they're okay. The indictment on McCarthy is, did you see late in the game when they actually, the Packers went down the field and scored a touchdown? And they were at the very end? They were within striking distance. It was before Detroit came down and scored again. Right. And they showed the bench, and they showed Hundley sitting there, and McCarthy ran over completely giddy like, I got my quarterback, and he scored, and I can tell him what to do now. Because... He, if he goes, if if I that was, out by that point. if that I was, I tuned back in for the last touchdown. If that was Aaron, Aaron would be like, "What are you doing? Go, leave, go, go!" But he was so excited that Hundley had led them on a scoring drive, and that he had the ability to then go look at the cutups with Brett Hundley. Your team is awful. Go back, go. On a bus ride home from Lambo right now, and it's not the offense; it's the defense. It's the defense for the last four years. Rodgers has covered it up over and over and over again. Agree. Hey, you look how how many times do they punt the ball this evening? How many times do we get off the field on third down? <laughs> I it's it's the same old, same old. I don't know a ton about team. I don't know this or that. But you're looking at first, second, third round draft picks over the last four years that can't get off the field. For the record, it's both now. There's no debate. Like without Aaron Rodgers, it's yeah. not offense or defense. It's it's both now, and they're probably going to win one game the rest of the way against the Browns. Can we clear one th- thing up though? Uh, because it's going to become a storyline this morning, and and there's relevance to it. But I want to be very very clear. Last night does not make Detroit good. Detroit's remaining schedule is going to give them a chance to compete with the Vikings for the division title. I get that. But let's not mistake that with, well, the Lions are, they're, they're okay. No, they're not. They're, the Lions are actually, okay at best. They're actually somewhat similar to the Packers the last several years in that they have a really good quarterback, not an Aaron Rodgers level quarterback, but a guy who's going to get them to like nine wins because he can throw the ball around and bring you back in the fourth quarter. But if you took Matthew Stafford off that team and replaced him with Brett Hundley, yes. we're talking about a two or three win team in Detroit as well, probably. Yes. So. Um, by the way, it's not illegal to win games without a great quarterback. I went and did some digging on this, too, just out of curiosity. Well, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Aaron Rodgers is out. Well, the Houston Texans the last four years with Osweiler and then Osweiler uh, again for a little while and a rookie in Deshaun Watson for like five minutes this season, but mostly just journeyman Brian Hoyer type quarterbacks. 
and more Brock Osweiler. They're 30 and 26 the last four years, nine and seven each year up until this season. And then we'll see how they do now without JJ Watt, without Deshaun Watson, but the Houston Texans with the quarterback crisis of all crises the last five years have gone 30 and 26. And you know why? Because you build at least a respectable defense. Correct. How about the Vikings? Okay, the Vikings have gone. By the way, if you're Ted Thompson, you should be sweating bullets. Unless you, he doesn't have a boss. you know, unless you look upstairs and you see two hundred thousand Packers Mark shareholders, ain't there's fire no actual him. owner. Yeah, uh, if, if it was a normal organization, Ted Townsend would be would be sweating it. The Vikings, the last six years, okay, with Christian Ponder, rookie Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Castle for almost a full year, uh, Case Keenum, a season of Sam Bradford. So not exactly the cream of the crop, Aaron Rodgers type quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They're forty-seven and forty in a, in a tie in there. Mm-hmm. The last six years, because it's. It's legal to build a defense and other weapons and things that prop up your mediocre quarterbacks. Philadelphia won 10 games with Nick Foles like three years ago. Here's what I don't get. I don't understand in a day and age where quarterbacks get hurt a lot, I don't understand why you don't do what the Vikings did this year, not last year. Case Keenum's not great, but guess what? If your defense is good, he can win games. Why do you, if you're the Packers, why do you sit there and say, you know, we've been developing Brett Hundley for quite some time. I think, why don't you tell yourself the truth, which is, okay, we've tried to develop him. He's not that good. Or we're not that good. Or we're not that good. But my point is, go out out as one of the things that you do uh, as you're signing players and find that decent backup quarterback. He doesn't have to be great. But he has to be decent. Well, this is where an, an actual owner, if it were, and now sometimes actual owners can be very knee-jerk, right? I mean, like uh, Dan Snyder is very knee-jerk. There's a lot of bad knee-jerk owners. But any credible owner would look at the Packers organization, especially the last two or three weeks, and say, wait a second. Wait a second. There's one guy who's gluing all of this together, and he only has about four or five years of prime left, and he's coming off a broken collarbone, for God's sake. Tonight, we see the Lions, who have been giving up sacks and droves and just played a tough physical Sunday night game uh, against the Steelers, uh, come in with a third-string tackle. And Stafford had all day to throw. And they never punted. And they scored 30 points. And they put up 420 yards. And we came off a bye. And it's not just about tonight's game. It's about six and a half years of repeated defensive failures. And I don't like to hear... There's not been enough talent or or resources devoted to the defense. The last six top picks in the draft have gone to the defense. It's amazing. We could pretty much do that for four hours. We might. Hell, we might just do that for four hours. I mean, you saw it. We weren't very competitive. The first two periods, that was probably the most embarrassing two periods I've been involved with. And... A lot of teams. What's going on is people aren't doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, uh, Nino's not a defenseman, but I mean, should be able to stay in front of somebody. And nice. and then the, when you're coming back, I mean, you got to at least you can't skate not only by the puck, but there's a guy right there. That's your guy. You got to take him. It's hockey 101. Didn't happen. Oh, your favorite player stepped up and threw a couple punches last night. So I don't know why you'd be mad this morning. Luke, he well, he ju- he jumped in a fight that I think Luke Dumba Kaonin is what they should call him. 
I think he jumped in a fight that Dumba was supposed to be involved in. It was all very odd. Well, wasn't Dumba dropped his gloves. Didn't he get into an altercation first earlier in the game? And then, he like, and the, he and the guy that he fought got into it. But then the guy that that he fought ultimately, I believe, speared Dumba in the groin, which should give Dumba precedence to drop the gloves first, or precedence anyway, for the league or the officials to just anyway, stop I that think, from happening. But you know, I think the expectation here is that I'm going to be very upset this morning. I think the expectation is that after the coach used the word embarrassing twice uh, and called his players the Keystone Cops, that I'm going to melt down. And that's absolutely incorrect, and here's why. Why don't you give the audience what they want? Because... Come on, Judd. The music's here. And now, Judd Zolgad blandly and calmly and boringly reacts to the hockey game last night. Here's why I'm not going to blow up this morning. It's because I went to every game of that godforsaken six-game homestand, and if you actually paid to go to the last six games of crap, I apologize on behalf of the Wild LLC. That was awful. But what I saw during the course of that six-game homestand was two Tuesday tilts. The Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets came here, and Bruce Boudreaux's team no-showed two home games. So why should I be surprised when they start a, I believe, four-game road trip by no-showing that game? That was a bunch of crap last night. There have been at least three pieces of crap issued by this team, if not more this year. And here's where I'm going to give you, Minnesota Wild, a word of caution. You got the cute slogan, the state of hockey. We play in the state of hockey because we were raised in the state. Okay, here's where the word of caution comes in. Be very careful. Be very careful because this winter, and this is coming from a puck guy, right? I love the game. This winter, we're going to go from the state of hockey to the state of hoops. And your team's going to be forgotten. And I understand all of you. <laughs> I, I understand that all of you western suburb people from Edina and Minnetonka, my town, and from Woodbury are all going to pay to go to wild games. And they're going to draw 19,000, and they're still going to get their 19,006 precious fans or whatever it is in the building. But Gopher basketball is 15th in the Associated Press poll. The Timberwolves are playing, other than two clunkers, the best basketball that we've seen from them in 15 years, 13 years. This is going to be the state of hoops if you continue to no-show games. And I'm not dumping on Boudreaux at all. This is the players. It's pure crap. It's lack of giving a damn. And when you continue to come out and don't care about your profession, don't expect me to care about your profession. <laughs> That's okay. That escalated. Glad that escalated. State of hockey, Mike. Well, okay, I have a hockey question. But, yeah. Collar's in here, too. We'll get him in to talk some football next. Why is it that like when a team underperforms in hockey, it's the only sport where you question their effort? No basketball, I do too. The Wolves. Well, basketball, are... no one's trying until the playoffs, so that's oh, just a given. Okay, but but no, no, no. Very clearly, the Wolves, the back-to-back Wolves duds against the Pacers and Pistons was very much the same thing. They essentially no-showed those two games. They were awful. Their lack of their lack of applying themselves, especially on defense, in those two games was brutal. What the Wild did last night was very much the same thing. Is it possible their players just aren't good enough now that Parisi's out and Dubnik is no longer uh, Superman goalie a, there, that he no, was two years ago? No, no. There's like, a, is it possible their players aren't good enough? No, there's a difference between your players not being good enough, and I'm giving you three examples of games that you completely no-showed. You no-showed the Canucks, the Jets, and the Bruins. When you lose a game, there are games you can lose, and you say, you know what, that team flat out is a better team. 
or you had an off night, but you gave a damn about it. I'm giving you three examples, much like to me, the Pacers and Pistons game, where you just didn't show up. You didn't show up. You didn't care. Vikings-Colts last year, same type of thing. I'm talking about games where you don't take any personal pride in what you're doing. Yeah. I think it's probably over, Judd. It's been a good five-year run. No, I'm telling you, I think it's probably over. This is going to be the state of bath. You've got Timberwolves are going to be top half of the West, and the Gophers could be really, really good, and that'll be fantastic. But don't get you know the Wild should not be surprised when we all say, "Oh yeah, they played last night. Who cares?" I mean, you saw it. We weren't very competitive. The first two periods, that was probably the most embarrassing two periods I've been involved with, and. A lot of teams. All right, let's get Matthew Collar in here. Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. Somebody sent us a screenshot this morning of the Detroit Lions schedule. You mentioned it briefly in the opening bell. Uh, Whatever you think of the Lions, if you look at their schedule, they could get really hot in the second half of the year. So we'll sort of measure that against where the Vikings are at and what to make of Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, and the Vikings quarterback situation coming out of the bye, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. They're ready to go. It's a relief. It's like, okay, let's go. On 1500 ESPN. Well, I think like anything in evaluation, I think it's, you know, it's very fair and, and professional to put all the variables in play there. I mean, what were the coverages on these plays? You know, I mean, we're, what was the play design? Was So, I mean, I, I get where we're going. Uh, Brett Huntley was played better today and um, I have great faith in Brett, Brett Huntley. Brett Huntley is not, not our issue right now. I mean when you're there's some very lopsided statistics. Look look close at those. Uh, they, they told the story tonight. Go, Pat, go. Steve how you doing? Hey Steve or hey Bill I'm I'm <laughs> you're Steve on the way I, there you go. I am Steve <laughs> Oh my God, Matthew Collar is, is in here. Steve Steve Collar is in here from the Purple Podcast. <laughs> oh, you're Steve and fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Hey, um, so Mike, <laughs> Mc- <laughs> hey Judd, it's Judd. Mike McCarthy says the problem isn't Brett Hundley. Um, I mean, I'm fine with coaches lying because like it's like coaches can lie all the time. But do you think that do you think he actually believes that, or do you think he's lying for no reason? Uh, I think he would be lying for no reason. Yeah, I mean, maybe because he feels he has no other option but to play Brett Hundley, but uh, he had a 51 quarterback rating last night, and uh, or I guess that's the QBR. Do they not list the quarterback ratings regular anymore on ESPN? Anyway, he was bad. He was horrendous. He's been horrendous in every single game. He can't play NFL quarterback right now or probably ever. And... Uh, I don't know how, as a head coach, you don't acknowledge that other than to just try to protect the guy because you know you're screwed and you've got to play the rest of the way. There was a um, famous quote from, I think it was Tom Moore, who was a coach in, in Indianapolis, who was asked why they didn't give the backup reps. Yep. And he said, because the, if Peyton Manning goes down, we're bleeped and yep. we don't practice bleeped. Right. And like that's kind of how the Packers are right now. But the... The question that goes along with it, though, is, I mean, would Colin Kaepernick have looked that bad? I mean, they don't have a great all-around team, but they do have offensive weapons that cannot get the ball with Brett Hundley playing quarterback. They still would have had a really bad defensive performance. Matt Stafford was great last night, 361 yards and two touchdowns. That was about the best he's ever played in his career. 
But I also think there's some effect to the defense just giving up when you're like, okay, our offense can't score at all. Aaron Rodgers is done. Uh, we can't play. And, you know. And that, de- that defense is not good either. I mean, they're not. But here's here's my thing that I keep coming back to. And this year is, is now uh, Exhibit A. This league, when if you are ESPN t- today, this league is in a case now where if you lose, you know, Rodgers or Deshaun Watson goes down, you have teams that go from being primetime must-see teams, right, mm-hmm. to being unwatchable. Well, that yeah. wouldn't be the case if J.J. Watt also hadn't gone down for – because, the because like I said in the opening bell, the, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl when Aaron Rodgers goes down. I don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl with a Case Keenum or a backup quarterback. But you don't have to be 3-13. and 13. I mean, the Houston Texans are a playoff team and win nine games on a regular basis with the Case Keenums and with the Osweilers and those guys. So, I mean, like, where where I'm the most shocked is if your good quarterback goes down and you look like the Packers have looked or you Mm -hmm. look like the Browns always look without a quarterback for the last 20 years, what are you doing with the rest of your roster? And this is ultimately all to highlight the Vikings, too, in some way. Like, the Vikings have been in, you know, quarterback musical chairs and carousel for a long time since Brett Favre left in a body bag in 2010, and they've been formidable with an 11-win year, with a 10-win year, division championships here and there. Not every year, but like if you can't put a defensive pass rush out there or a, a secondary that can make a tackle or or you know play man defense, like what are you doing as a front office? Just I, waiting for the quarterback to fall in your lap? I mean, I agree with that, but there are some mitigating circumstances. When you have an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, uh, it's harder to spend money in free agency. It's harder to keep the players that you have. Uh, that's a major part of it. It's harder to go out and sign big weapons. I mean, th- of course, they should have a better defense by now. It should have been the entire focus for a very long time. Uh, drafting defensive players, though they did this year, uh, but it, it's not going to make for an immediate turnaround. They'd probably have more Super Bowls if they had a, a better defense, for sure. Tom Brady has all the Super Bowls, and also I think that uh, this might be the first year where a Belichick team is in the bottom half of the league in scoring against. Yeah, the first time since he's been in New England. They're mostly top ten. Yeah. And, and with Tom Brady. So, so that helps his legacy. And the same thing would go for Peyton Manning when he was in uh, Indianapolis. And some front offices are certainly better than others. But I, I still think that where Aaron Rodgers set this team up, the Packers, they could have been a playoff contender and managed their schedule because they have a lot of the same teams that the Vikings have played coming up. If the Packers had won that game last night, let's say with a free agent quarterback who once took a team to a Super Bowl, then they would have been looking at Chicago, Baltimore, tough game at Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Cleveland. And then maybe Aaron Rodgers can come back at that point. They I mean, they could have stayed right. around in good shape if they had any sort of quarterback by not even having a great defense. You can beat Chicago or Baltimore or Cleveland without a great defense. Tampa Bay doesn't want to play anymore. I mean, t- we were talking about hockey. Foot, there are some football teams that quit, too. It doesn't happen as often. They should have eaten their Ws. Tampa Bay is... Did you guys see that? Oh, my gosh. Jameis Winston's pre Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was really... That was great <laughs> stuff. Like, okay, buddy. But the, it, it's they, like the Giants and the Bucks and those teams, they are done. Yeah. They have no interest in playing. So, the... The Packers, if they had won that game and they were five and three, you'd be you'd still be looking at them saying, "Boy, this is a legitimate contender." Even though they're not perfect, 
but now you feel like they're never going to recover because even if they lose a couple of those games or if they, uh, you know, I mean, they can't score against anybody. Chicago's got a pretty good defense. You have no chance against them. And now with the Lions winning this game, Detroit may not be good, and I agree with that, Judd, but they have the easiest schedule I have ever seen in my life Dude, it going is. forward. And in, in, in my point was this. Detroit has an easy schedule in a league now that is, for the most part, god-awful. Okay, I mean, that, well, it's that, well, that's it's an a, overgeneralization. It's an easy, but it's an easy schedule in a league where where you can run through that, but but that still does not make them good. It's a bell curve. Like they're playing the teams that are on the the, mm-hmm. the back end of the bell curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's we're going to do our picks and pecking order in 45 minutes here, and I can list nine or ten teams that wouldn't shock me if they if if they le- were legitimately good all the way through the end of January. So I think. This- like, but the, but the Lions, to your point, let's just read the schedule off real quick, and and this is what you're dealing with if you're the Vikings and you're looking down the uh, the ladder. The next game for Detroit is home against Cleveland. Short rest a little there because it's a Sunday game after a Monday game, but it's Cleveland at Chicago Vikings. Uh, that's that's uh, Thanksgiving. It's another short week, but it's still um, that's probably the toughest game on their schedule. Oh, it's easily Vikings. the toughest game on their at schedule. Baltimore mm-hmm. at Tampa, Chicago, Cincinnati on the road, but they're going to have fired Marvin Lewis by then. And then Green Bay, probably without Aaron Rodgers, because why would he play in Week 17 if the Packers are out of it? Not only is there not a winning record other than Minnesota, there are several teams there that just do not want to play anymore. And Tampa Bay is probably the easiest victory for anybody in the NFL now. And Cincinnati, I agree with you. They're finally probably going to move on from Marvin Lewis by that time. Green Bay, if you thought they quit last night, they will have mega stupendously quit by week 17. Like what we saw from the Bears in Minnesota last year. And they've got the Bears twice. Yeah, and the Bears twice. I mean, they are in great shape. They could win every single one of those games. Now, they're the Lions, so they'll probably botch a couple of them. But if you're the Vikings... You are looking across saying, all right, we may have a lead here in the division, but this Lions team is going to be coming for us, which really puts more of a spotlight on the Teddy Bridgewater decision. And because, I I mean, I hear people saying and I see on Twitter, well, they should just stick with Keenum because he's won. Uh, yeah, okay. I guess the way I look at that is if Alex Rodriguez got hurt and someone from AAA came in and filled in and hit 300, you'd be like, Thanks for playing. Back to AAA, and I'm going to put Alex Rodriguez back in. Maybe it's not quite as stark with that with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Alex Rodriguez is a Hall of Famer, but this, I get, your, get but, your point. But Bridgewater is much, much better than Case Keenum, and part of the reason the Vikings are 6-2 and two is because all these teams that the Lions are about to play, the Vikings played, have played. Right. The, a big part of being 6-2 and two is that, and this next stretch is when you're going to find out if these this team is for real or not. Washington is going to be tough if they get their left tackle back. And otherwise, the, TJ Clemmings, for those not paying attention, will be starting at left tackle across from Everson Griffin. He started yeah. two games, and then Kirk Cousins will end up in the hospital. Um, <laughs> are you, Simpsons Simpsons fans like when Milhouse passed the note forward to Nelson Muntz, and then he went out in a, an ambulance. Some people I'm will get you. that. Some people won't. Thank you, Dave. I got you. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I mean, if Trent Williams is starting at left tackle, then Washington will be a tough matchup. It's on the road. The Vikings lost there last year. And then you've got the Rams, and you've still got Carolina to go, who has one of the best defenses in the NFL, and Cam Newton dragged them to a win the other day. Atlanta may start to figure it out by then. It it looks a lot more difficult as you go into the second half, and the team behind you has a college schedule to go. So let's talk more about what the Vikings – 
will and should do with Teddy Bridgewater here. Week 10, you've got uh, eight games left. Case Keenum has been fine. We all hear the arguments for Case Keenum that if it's not broke, you shouldn't fix it. Let's talk more about that now that it's uh, staring you in the face here when we come back. Mackie and Jed, Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. First of all, I just got to say, I I shudder to consider myself a Packer fan because I love my Green Bay Packers, but when I think about Packer fans, I kind of shudder because uh, I just associate it with dummies. I mean, these people, they, they think that they're you-know-what, don't stink, and they know everything. Go, Pack, go! Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I don't get. Mackey and Judd. It's, very, it's odd at times. On 1500 ESPN. can't get off the field, right? And you're absolutely yep. right on that. And I know another caller mentioned the first possession as far as Daniel's headbutting the guy. So you got a second right. possession. Clay Matthews jumping offside on the third and 16. Like, yep. sometime you got to set the tone, right? You get off the field on both of those, that can set the entire tone. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I just got one question for y'all guys, y'all the football experts. What does 87 have to do to get a pass interference call? Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. I'm, I'm a You're Steve. On the way. I, there you I, go. I am Steve. <laughs> Pass the Miller Lite. Oh, man. I uh, do agree that uh, there should have been a couple of pass interference calls there on Darius Slay, and Vikings fans will be upset if they don't get those on Thanksgiving Day, the biggest game of the year now. Uh, it is. It is the... The Super Bowl of the NFC North, if you will, because if the Lions go hypothetically six and two against the weakest schedule remaining in the NFL, and one of those six wins comes against the Vikings, that would give them a ten and six record and the tiebreaker, meaning the Vikings would have to find an eleven and five record, a mm-hmm. five and three finish against teams not named the Lions. They do finish with three games on paper that you would think should be easy wins, not I mean, relatively easy. Home against Cincinnati for the Vikings at Rogers List Green Bay and then home against Chicago. So you should be able to get hot mm-hmm. at the end. But Washington this week, Case Keenum still the starter. Where do you guys go from here? Uh, if it's me, as soon as Teddy Bridgewater is ready to go, then I would want him to go. But if I'm setting up the best circumstances possible for Bridgewater, I start him on Thanksgiving Day. I start him in the NFC North Super Bowl uh, because... He would have extra time to prepare on a short week. So every other player on both teams has to play on Sunday and then back on Thursday. But Bridgewater would have a week and a half to get ready for just one game if they made that decision uh, before, the week before. Uh, I don't like him playing against the Rams. I think that's a winnable game, but the Rams have the best defensive player in the NFL, Aaron Donald. He is in the backfield so regularly. They have a great defensive line. I really don't want my quarterback who is coming back from 15 months away from football with a uh, surgically repaired knee facing one of the best defensive lines in the NFL that's going to be attacking him all over the place in his first game back. I would much rather have him face a Lions defensive line that's just kind of okay. A little better than they were last year, but still not anywhere near the prowess of the Rams. However, now with the Lions winning this game and looking like they could go six and two or seven and one the rest of the way, 
maybe you feel a little more pressure to push Bridgewater back in, especially if Case Keenum doesn't play well in Washington. I feel the opposite. I feel like, as I've been saying, I think you wait for the opportunity to present itself to play him, and I don't know that that you that, that necessarily means you start him in a game, and I don't think I start him at Detroit. His first game back, he hasn't played in a year-plus now, Collar. I think what I do is I wait till Keenum starts to go into a little bit of a funk or has a Keenum-type game, and if that is the Detroit game, that's fine, or the Falcons game. Because of what he's coming off of, though, I don't think that I start him in that game. I think I wait it out, be a little bit more patient, and then when the if the if and when the opportunity presents itself organically, I play Teddy at that time. You know, for the one thing for the uh, the Case Keenum truthers out there, the you should <laughs> ride the hot hand. And uh, don't don't fix it if it I isn't mean, broke. Is, is he the hot hand? I mean, that's what I, I'm going to. Have I been watching the same games? That's what I'm going to bring to the table here. People have called into this show and vent line. Well, Teddy only had 14 touchdown passes. Like just citing touchdown passes. Uh, why would you want to? You know, 14 touchdown passes. That's a backup. Keenum this. Keenum that. Well, Case Keenum has seven touchdown passes. If you're going to be the touchdown pass guy, he has seven touchdown passes. In the seven games he's played. Okay. So he's also on pace for like 14, so stop calling with that argument for one. Well, So he went nuts against Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay got every player hurt and apparently doesn't really care about playing football this year. I mean, they've been smoked by everybody. It is weird, So yeah. they have the worst defense in the NFL since that Tampa Bay game. Case Keenum has a quarterback rating of 83 and yards per attempt of 6.6, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Yeah. And those are ultimate backup numbers. That's what Case Keenum is. And that's over the last five appearances that he's come into games, including Chicago. Uh, people get really blinded by QB wins. But Case Keenum is nowhere near as good as Teddy Bridgewater at playing the position of quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Totally if, agree. If but- Teddy Bridgewater is back to what he was before. There are so many things, especially when you go back and and watch the tape, but there are also numbers, too. The Vikings were the seventh-best team in the league in terms of the percentage of drives that they scored on with Teddy Bridgewater. They struggled in the red zone because of a man maybe you guys have heard of, Adrian Peterson, was the focus. They, they, They were top in the league in running touchdowns, but also running in the red zone is not that great. But they were scoring much more consistently. They were 16th in the league in scoring, and... Last year with uh, Sam Bradford, they weren't even anywhere near close to that. And and I think the schedule has also played a huge role when your defense that's great is facing quarterbacks like Joe Flacco and Deshaun Kaiser, Mitch Trubisky. They're not forcing the opposing quarterback or they're not forcing, forcing their quarterback to win any games for them. That Case Keenum has not had to win any games for the Minnesota Vikings. So even the fact that he's winning, oh, he's winning. Well, that's great, but things are about to get harder. So you need the better quarterback. So I look at it, though, Judd, as I'd like to see the most controlled situation possible that he can mentally prepare, he can physically prepare for the build-up to one game to be ready to go, not be thrown in against Washington. Oh, we're down 14 yeah, nothing. Go get him, Teddy. I wouldn't throw save him in us. on Sunday. I'm, say, I'm saying that... That as he gets down the road of having practiced more and more, that I'd be more comfortable throwing him in at that point. I just don't know if Thanksgiving Day in Detroit is the right time to do it. That's my point. You've got to be, because if you're going to start him, you've got to be absolutely sure that you are giving him an environment that is as perfect as possible to start him. 
And so I I would prefer that, that it be more organic. And Case is going to start to be Case. I mean, he's going to have one game, and it's probably going to come within the span of that three-game trip, which goes what? Detroit, Atlanta, Carolina. At some point in time, Case is going to have a Case-like game, and that's going to create an opportunity that's pretty perfect if Teddy is sad to put him in, if you, I, if, if you if you know that Case is going to have, if he's going to eventually have that crash back to earth game, and it's not like he's riding you know cloud nine of quarterback play like Collar was outlining, um, then I don't think like I'm all for it happening organically, but I don't think you should wait for him to lose you a game that you know that it, like if you know that performance is coming and you know that he's just going to be a backup in a key game against an NFC opponent, then if Bridgewater is ready, you should put him in. So I'm kind of shifting toward. All right, if it doesn't happen organically soon, then just make it happen if Bridgewater is ready. I, I think of uh, with you're talking about he's going to have a Case Keenum game, that he's had many Case Keenum games so far. I mean, he's got two games this year with quarterback ratings over 100. Other games, 65, 76, 78, 67, 88. Uh, how about if you're playing Baltimore the way he played against Baltimore, and instead of Baltimore, that's Atlanta, do you win that game? Because he goes 20 for 31 with 188 yards and a pick. Like, do you win that game if that's not Joe Flacco on no, the other side? Not at Atlanta, probably not. Right. And and the same thing goes for Cleveland. If you play the way that he played in the first half against Cleveland, yeah. against the Rams, no, it was bad. you're down 21 nothing in that mm-hmm. game, and you lose easy. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think that Case Keenum has played except, well wait, at wait, all. Wait, wait, except, except your defense is good enough that odds are you're not down by that much unless he throws pick sixes one after another you're probably because your defense is going is going to keep you in games i'm just i still think the best time to play him is is if you could take it down the road of okay teddy here's your chance i think that detroit is too soon probably i think detroit i think detroit is probably too soon Based on start based on what though? Based on the fact that I want to get him into a situation he hasn't played. His leg. I mean, we still have to go back to the fact his leg blew up. The, the doctors his, cleared him to I play understand, an NFL I, game. I understand that, but we are not talking about a normal ACL. We're talking about the fact that his leg blew up, and I want to take it as far as I can. Hey, he's going to play at some point. There's no doubt in my mind. This team is going to play him. I mean, if if you if you want to say K should start, that's fine. But at some point in time, Teddy is going to play. But based on the fact that his leg blew up, I also want to give this as much time as possible to put him into a situation where I feel when he does get in, he can succeed because once I play him, I want the opportunity to continue to play him. I mean, if you really want to pick the absolute, if you could handpick the perfect game to start Teddy Bridgewater in for the first time, it would be a home game, and it would probably be against Cincinnati on December 17th. I ain't going to wait that long and ride out an absolute backup quarterback with accuracy problems with a defense that's probably the best one we've seen here in 40 years. And that's what we're staring at. So I want the best quarterback with the highest upside behind center sooner than later. And I'm not going to wait until Cincinnati on December 17th okay. if, if, if that's what it takes. Like so, you're looking if by your logic, you're waiting until December seventeenth. No, no, no. Why he, is at Atlanta better than at Atlanta, Detroit, Carolina? The only the only game that I absolutely wouldn't start him in is on Sunday. I think Detroit is too soon. But that being said, if you have struggles with Case in that game, you can get him in if you deem it to be the right time. But I still think organically is the best way to get him in, as opposed to saying he's going to start. 
The Rams are scoring 33 points a game, by the way. I mean, so that that's going to be a really tough game. And that, that might be the one where they decide to turn to Bridgewater because they look at the Rams and say, this is the toughest game on the rest of our schedule, and this is a team that has a chance to be in the Super Bowl. I think the Rams are, are really that good. They are a complete team, much like the Vikings, only their quarterback didn't get hurt. I think they're very comparable, and their running back didn't get hurt. Todd Gurley has mm-hmm. bounced right back to being Todd Gurley again. Maybe they decide to to do it then, or maybe that's the game where Case struggles and they do have to turn back to Bridgewater. Uh, the, the reason that I like Thanksgiving the most is because you get that extra little advantage of having him being prepared and because it's not a defense that really scares me. I think Detroit has relied on turnovers, which generally tend to fluctuate through a season. You get three picks in one game and then no picks in the next game. You get some bounces or you face Brett Hundley or whatever, right? Uh, but I, I still don't think Detroit has this dangerous defense with great edge rushers. I think the Vikings offensive line handled them pretty well, but Case Keenum didn't play very well uh, against Detroit when they lost that game and, and they had their running back have an ACL tear. So those were kind of the problem. Yeah. Like um, at some point with Bridgewater's knee, if doctors have cleared him to play in an NFL game, then the concern for everyone shouldn't be the knee anymore. Like he's cleared and like if his knee blows up, it blows up again. It should be okay. Is has right. he practiced but enough we, to play in a but game? But we're having a discussion here about what's the best way to approach getting him back in. It's that simple. And you've just best, gone from and, like and you'd I put him in best, against Washington, or think, you'd wait no, until Cincinnati. No, no, no. I'm not. I wouldn't. Pl- I wouldn't play him on Sunday. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't play him against Detroit. I don't think I would start him against Detroit. Now, if they got down by scores in uh, Washington, assuming T.J. Clemmings doesn't have to play, because if he plays, uh, you won't be down by the, scores. <laughs> no, you won't. They won't score. <laughs> uh, but if if you got down 14 going into the second half then it might be a no-lose proposition to bring Bridgewater back in because Case Keenum is not going to bring you back I'm in I'm not games. playing him on that field. There's no way. That field's a dumpster fire. Okay, I'm that, not playing him fair. on that field. That's fair. Uh-uh. All right, Matt, let's keep this going. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collins. Mackie and Judd are back. Are you ready to kick it up? On 1500 Woo! ESPN. Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Well, you join Phil Mackie at the Corner Bar in Minneapolis 11-1 to this Saturday. For the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis, enjoy an ice cold one and register to win. That brand new TV put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ASPN.com. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. We got Matthew Collar in here from the Purple Podcast and 1500ASPN.com. And the Vikings defense wakes up this morning from wherever they were on their, their bi-week excursions, headed back to Winter Park this week. As the best defense in the NFL, yards per play allowed. The single best defense in the NFL, yards per play allowed. Which shouldn't be that shocking, but uh, business picks up a little with Kirk Cousins and with some of the games you have to play here on the road against Matt Ryan. Cam Newton has been hot and cold, but when he's hot, uh, they've won games so far this year. But this is pretty safely the best defense Mike Zimmer has put together. Um, they've gotten better every year for the most part, and maybe the best defense we've seen in a, a generation or two of Vikings football. And whether they stay that way depends entirely on health of a couple players. I think you could even survive losing Everson Griffin for a little while, even though he's been amazing and is one of the defensive MVPs of the, the league. But the two guys that you cannot lose are Harrison Smith and Linval Joseph. And last year, down the stretch... Joseph got dinged up. 
He was on the injury report a few times toward the end of the season. It was noticeable. And actually at Washington was one of the games where he was playing hurt. And I think we never got this confirmed that he might have gotten hurt when they put him in to run the ball or, or remember that at the goal oh, yeah. line? Yes, I think that I was do. actually when he got at hurt. At U.S. Bank Stadium, um, I remember Or that. to block or something. And mm-hmm. they never did that again. Uh, but Harrison Smith, when he got hurt last year, it made a huge difference, especially at the end of the season when they were playing Indianapolis and they had Anthony Harrison there for Harrison Smith. And then when he tried to come back, Against Green Bay, he was not anywhere close to 100%. He has been one of the best players in the NFL this year. Pro Football Focus ranks him as the number one safety. He's done everything. I mean, he's sacked the quarterback. He's blowing up run plays. They're one of the best in the run. He is uh, getting interceptions that win you games, like against Chicago. And that's another thing about giving Case Keenum a lot of credit. Like, well... I mean, Harrison Smith has to pick a pass off to set you up for a field goal to win that game. Um, But the the defense from top to bottom has been years in the making to be this good. And if it stays healthy, it can stay toward the top of that league, uh, even if they have to face better quarterbacks. Rhodes, too, is so much fun to watch because he eliminates a guy from the opposing team. I mean, you now have a situation. I can't tell you how long it's been... And how, how many years we went without seeing a, a really good corner here, Matthew? And you now have a corner who eliminates an opposing guy, and it's ordinarily a good one, too. Uh, we can take your Vikings phone call, 651-646-8255. We have a couple lined up. John, what's going on, man? Hey, not too bad. How are you guys doing? Great. Uh, we're good now that football is back. Yes. Uh, a couple questions real quick. If we put them in against the Rams, how how good is the Rams' defense really? I mean, I mean I, is a is a pass rush something to be worried about when it comes to Teddy getting back in there? Always worried about his knee. Uh, is that going to affect? I mean, is that going to turn long passes into short passes? Little quick and dunk kind of a deal. They don't have much of a running game. Would that be a good time to put him in? Uh, well, the, Aaron Donald is one of the best defenders in the NFL, and I can tell you that the Rams' defense so far this year, uh, it's it's not they're. It's fine. Well, it's, they're sixth in the NFL in sacks. That's a kind of a big deal. Aaron Donald, I think, is the best defensive player in the NFL. That would concern me because he's unblockable. Mm-hmm. No matter what team I've ever seen him against, no one stops him. Right. They and, hold opposing quarterbacks to a 75.8 passer rating, by the way. So and, uh, they've yes, been very good against the, the pass. One of the best in the league. And the, the thing about Donald against a rookie Pat Elfline a left guard if Nick Easton is back who's a little undersized and isn't the best at going up against guys who are powerful, mm-hmm. I would be very concerned about Aaron Donald facing the Vikings offensive line. It's been a great line so far this year, but uh, that would worry me Not about, matchup, about yes. Teddy Bridgewater being hit. I would say the thing about dink and dunk passes is it's a criticism of Teddy Bridgewater that he didn't hit on many bombs down the field. But there's a... It, it's just, it's a little bit of a misnomer, I guess, when we talk about dink and dunk. They're not all the same. Like, if you are Sam Bradford and it's third and eight and you drop it off like he did on Thanksgiving Day last year to Jarek McKinnon or Matt Asiata for three yards out of the backfield or underneath for four yards to Kyle Rudolph because that was your just panic read because you were getting rushed by TJ Clemmings playing left tackle, then that's a bad dink and dunk. But 
when you watch 2015 with Teddy Bridgewater, there are many times where the dink goes for 20 more yards sure. because he's made the right read. And one of the things about Bridgewater that just really amazes me about him as a quarterback is how good he is at the line of scrimmage, how good he is at going through his progressions and reads. And a lot of times he'll find that guy. He'll find that guy who's coming three yards over the middle and he'll say, well, he didn't do anything. But no, actually he did because he spotted where the blitz was going to come from. He spotted whether it was zone coverage or man coverage in certain areas. And then he found that guy that was going to be open. So he drops a pass off to Zach line for 40 yards and you would never give him credit. But what he did was he brought in a, a tight end to pass block on one side. So line could go out on the other side and ha- and they handle the blitz and he drops it off and he gets a big game. And and that's a lot different than just these setup plays for Case Keenum where he can only go pretty much one direction with the ball. Yeah. Um the Rams are 4-0 on the road as well. We're looking ahead a week here. It's a great team. 4-0 on the road and they're averaging 40 points per game on the road this season. So it really is. We got to run Matthew Collar Purple Podcast 1500ESPN.com. We'll get back to a lot more Viking stuff later, and you guys can call back later on too when we have uh, we have Lou Nanny coming up. So when we're guest free, just assume the phone lines are open six five one six four six eight two five five. Lou Nanny and a pecking order when we come back.